0: I want to share with you a word that uh, is going to um, make a few people cross with me, especially there from uh, Weybridge side, uh, because I've, um, I've shared some of the stuff with you before. Um, but uh, I'm going to repeat it this morning, and I want to really ask you to, to make notes. Um, I know this is more than you, what you can chew in one morning. Um, so I want to ask you to make some notes so that we can actually uh, just get onto the same page. Uh, this is actually the second session of the LDC that we've done at, um, Otford, at Otford, at the camp, uh, which I never got to at the camp um, because of our flight issues. And uh, so I said I'll come and um, finish it um, here with you guys So this morning. Um, I'm completing a job that I've started, and especially the, the Wimbledon people, um, you need to do some catch-up this morning, so, um, so we trust that um, God is going to do a few things in your heart. So, um, I'm just so blessed by what God is busy doing. I know this is um, something that um, that is uh, special, I can uh, just this morning so celebrate And seeing the new guys coming in, I know that this is uh, fresh and and God is going to bless you. Um, But I want to read out of the Word of God, Isaiah chapter 3, verse 10 to 11. If you can um, turn to that Word. If you've got your Bibles, please follow in your Bibles. I love love it when uh, you actually make some notes in your Bibles and uh, make sure to get back to that. Schieffer speaks about um, the fact that uh, we get to a revolution um, in history you know and it and it happens in cycles that it always comes to and boils down to the same thing that society come to a place where they actually are challenged by what is life and uh, you know what is the essence of life and what is life all about and so through revelation, To uh, some people, they would come to a place where uh, a big event like a revolution or even a reformation will happen. And then society will go and sit down, and some leaders will have to decide how the new season will look like. And this is an important um, part of society, and I can tell you that we are on the verge of such a time. Uh, You can see uh, just the um, growth pains all over the world. Um, we are challenged by such a time because, again, we will get to a time when leaders will have to decide on how it will look beyond where we are at now. Now, I want to just say this morning. We so often cry out freedom and we want to live according to the freedom that we understand will benefit you and I. So that's why we have a democracy and that's why you and I will decide on certain principles that we want to live by, and those principles we will then commit ourselves to in making some choices and who we are going to vote for. Is it not so? Okay, are you with me this morning? You must really follow with me. I know some of you have heard some of these things, but it's um, important stuff. So, we choose certain principles, and those principles we live by, we choose who to vote for, and um, in society that brings us to experience certain fruit. Okay, and I want to just quickly read you Isaiah chapter three verse ten to eleven. Tell the righteous that it shall be well with them. For they shall eat the fruit of their deeds. Woe to the wicked, it shall be ill with him. For what his hands have dealt out shall be done to him. Proverbs fourteen fourteen. The backslider in heart will be filled with the fruit of his ways, and a good man will be filled with the fruit of his ways. John 15, verse 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So I want to get to the essence of what life is all about. Guys, we are sitting here this morning, and I can tell you, your freedom will cost somebody else their freedom. Which means that all the principles that you are living by and even the choices that you are making in life will make somebody else not to be able to make such choices because they will have to fall into your choices and for me when it gets to society everyone is shouting freedom at this time and we see through secular humanism it's the I generation it's the I phone the I call the I whatever And all of us just want to please ourselves. And if you must be satisfied, it means that somebody else will not be able to be satisfied because you are going to live according to your principles. And so, the Bible speaks about a few principles that's important for us because if we live by these principles, it means that there will be certain fruit in our lives that will multiply and that we will see in society. Now, we are not seeing that fruit, and I'm telling you, There's certain principles that we've um, gone astray to, um, and we as a society are deserving everything that we are receiving at this stage. (laughs) And uh, so life is not fair, and I can tell you, we are in a fallen world. But you and I, in making some choices, choose to position ourselves to receive from God. And I want to just say to you, there's two kinds of people in this earth. It's those who serve idols... And those who serve God as the idol of their lives. And I want to speak about that this morning. Because before we cannot have the conversation about who is really the Lord of your life, we will never be able to see fruit in your life. And so, there's um, a thing that uh, we struggle with, and why don't we see then the fullness of Christ? Why don't we see the things that He's promised in the Bible? Why are we not seeing the fullness of what God has installed for us? And I can tell you, a lot of it is because we are in a a broken state and we need, need wholeness. And in order to get there, I can tell you, holiness is of much importance. And so holiness can only start if you and I get to the understanding that we should fear God more than the idols in our lives. Now, uh, I can tell you the thing that you fear is the thing that you will worship, the thing that you will become. And so when we fear God, I can promise you we will want to do everything that He wants us to do. And I want to just come back to the previous um, teaching that I gave you guys on why are we not doing what God is um, saying we should do. Because if I would use a pencil to try and hit or even to drill a hole in that wall, what will happen to the pencil? Okay. Can we try? (laughs) The pencil will break. The reason is because a pencil is not made to drill holes in the wall. A pencil is made to write and to make beautiful pictures... And while you use that for its purpose, it will always amount to being a blessing. Is it not so? Are you with me this morning? You must really move with me. Because while we are using this pencil to actually write, it's going to be such a blessing that it will stay whole and it will be fulfilling its purpose. Now, we've done the the membership service this morning and I can tell you, the reason... Why some members in the body of Christ are experiencing difficulty in staying whole is because they are used for certain uses that they are not supposed to do. Are you with me this morning? There's so many broken people in the body of Christ today that wants to do certain things and they are not doing what God has called them to do. So, I want to say to you um, that, uh, according to John Bevere, (laughs) and um, getting it out of the Bible, um, (laughs) that we will not be judged according to the things that we will do here on earth, but the things that we've been called to do. Are you still with me? You will not be judged according to the things that you've done here on earth, but the things that you've been called to do. There's a certain purpose why God created you as a person and with the love and acceptance that God embraced you as a person and created you for that purpose. He wants to see you prosper in such a way. And so, I see so many Christians missing the point in, um, in not being used in such a place. And I've said it the previous time, but you cannot be successful in life if you don't know who's determining the success. Remember I said the last time, if you and I would go and do the idols and we would go for, you know, for um, the auditions beforehand, we will be judged according to the measurement of the judges and their perceptions about what success is. But for you and I, to determine what life success is and the fruit of life is, we must first determine who is determining that success. Which means that if God is determining the success of life, He's the one who determines if we are going to be successful at the end and if we are going to live a life of fulfillment. And you and I... In our life's calling must first get to the wholeness of the understanding that as long as I am in the perfect will of God, I can experience the blessing of His fullness in my life and I can please only Him and Him alone. And then He becomes the idol in my life where I can do and fulfill everything that He has called me to. Now... Adam and Eve was separated because they want to have their independence. And I can tell you, we, naturally through the flesh, always rebel against that which we've been called to do. (laughs) Are you with me this morning? We as humans, as fleshly people, will always rebel against the things that we've been made to do. Now, if you are like me, you will um, always do the plug-and-play thing when you buy a device... The first thing that you do is you start to use it without reading the instructions. Okay, am I the only one? Guys, <laughs> the plug and play thing. You first, oh, you just want to uh, use that device and you don't even read the instructions and you miss out on the point of why the device is made and how it should be used to be successful. Is it not so? So you and I, if we have a heavenly Father the Father that created us in a certain way and purpose in this life, is it not so that he will know best for what would be the best for us in success, to be successful in life? And so we rebel against the exact thing that God has made us to because we want to be independent. And so I can tell you, all over the church, I see so many people wanting to be independent. Let the pastor just not tell me what to do. Let my small group lead it and just not tell me what to do. Because I am a person in my own right, and I've got all the right to make choices. You know, I've seen a a few people being very unhappy these uh, last few days on customer service. <laughs> you know, we went to um, to go and have a look at um, Motown, uh, which uh, at this stage... Um, <laughs> with Sofiso. So we went to go and uh, have a look at if Sofiso is doing a good job. <laughs> and it was amazing. <laughs> but just to see some of the people fighting there in front, you know, about... Um, their rights, and they, you know, nobody's got the right to tell me to shut up, you know, in an audience. And so, guys, if I see these things, I realize that society as a whole, and I'm not saying the English, you are amazing people, and I always see a lot of good manners here in the society that you're living in, but I can tell you, wherever you go, you'll see that the symptom of this me, myself, and I in society is that we are living according to the rights that we believe. Society owes us. And we forget that it's only a blessing and the mercy of God that we have the right to actually exist. I'm just in the morning so grateful that God allowed me to live another day. I must remind myself so often that yes, even though it's difficult to live for God and do awesome things for God, it still stays such a privilege to be in His kingdom and fulfill His work in my life. And I so often make it a point to actually um, remind myself of it. So, God has called us then for a certain purpose and Uh, three things that's important is we are here to reflect Him, which means that He's the greater light. We are like the moon, the lesser light, that only reflects the glory of the King. So there's no ways that you can reflect the glory of the King if you're not receiving from the King. If you're not receiving every day your manner from Him so that He can speak into your life, you don't have anything to reflect. And then... We are called to represent Him here on earth, which means that you and I have the privilege in showing His glory to the world up there. And I want to say to you, my question to you this morning will again be, if people in your workplace, I'm not talking about a Sunday, because it's nice to actually be nice to one another here. It's awesome to give one another hugs Yeah. I love giving Christians hugs. My question is to you, in the workplace, where we are supposed to be the salt and light of the earth, are we representing the King of Kings in such a way that people would say, I want to serve the God that you have in your life. And so the third thing is that we should reproduce Whatever we receive, we reproduce that in other people's lives. Which means that from generation to generation, God gives us the privilege of imparting into disciples, into people that needs the Lord, the kind of principles that will produce the fruit that we want in our lives. And so, that brings us to why then do we fear certain idols in our lives. And... um, there's a few things. Um, we, we want to be accepted by the trend, not being out of step with society, materialism, beauty, status, um, rebel against every, everything and everybody. Some people just love to, um, to just be different to, uh, to everyone around them. <laughs> and then secondly... Identity in my culture, my family legacy. The fact that you and I, in our communities, in our families, in the society, the family legacy even that we have, we want to please certain people in our lives. And you and I position ourselves in such a way that we try to always please those people. Third one is then instructors in our lives. Parents, teachers, pastors, that we try to, to please Matthew 19, verse 16 to 22. And behold, a man came up to him, saying... Listen to this. This is beautiful. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments, he said to him. Which ones? And Jesus said... You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So you and I in the society that we are living are confronted by the fact that every day we must make a choice to make God the idol in our lives. Because otherwise we will follow the stuff in our lives rather than God. So so Jesus starts with him and he says, listen... It's amazing the starting point is to live by my principles because I can tell you that's going to produce fruit because if there's anyone that knows how to put the instruction manual on the table it's me just read your bible and use the, the principles that I've given you because that will make you to survive in this life are you with me and so Jesus goes in deeper and he says listen can I just go further and I want to ask you this morning, do we all agree that this young man came because he wanted more? So he was fulfilling everything that actually was expected of him. And yet he still asked for more. He said, Jesus, I've done all these things. Can we talk about what real Christianity is about? What a real life with you, a passionate life where you are alive in my life. What... what, what, what What is the picture that you want to give me, Jesus? Because I want to do that. And then Jesus says, Can we talk about the fact that there's things more important than me in your life? Your riches became so important to you because your riches actually is your stumbling block. Can you get rid of that? And then we can talk about a deeper revelation and understanding of a relationship with me. Because I want a blank check. A blank check meaning that whatever I expect of you, would you give that up? And so I see many people in this life that are living for a pension fund, for a retirement package. For their whole lives, they would actually let every decision that they are making in this life be determined by how is that going to benefit my retirement package? rather than to get back to what is God is saying to us. So we've got so many obligations, and I'm telling you, uh, we are starting now to, to get rid of our stuff in South Africa. And we are busy getting out of the contracts that we have, the obligations that we have in South Africa. And the more I get to get these things off me, I just realize you know, how bound we as humans Oh, we've got so many obligations. And, you know, it's strange how you would always ask people, you know, why do you have a problem in signing a covenant form with a church if uh, you are willing to do that every day in the secular world? <laughs> Making some obligations to some institutions that you don't even need, or can trust because you don't know the people on that side. But if we talk about the church and the people that love you, then we have a problem. Because it's too difficult. It's as if we are living in two worlds here. And so when I look at this, I can tell you Jesus is saying to this young man, Listen, I've got a problem with the fact that there's some obligations that you have and certain things and stuff that is more important than me in your life. And so, for us, it brings us to a place where we need to ask ourselves, are you afraid of what God would expect of you to do in following His kingdom, moving even to another place? (laughs) I've been challenged by that. Selling your possessions? Do you have a blank check to say, God, if I did not have any obligations today, what would be your life story for me? Are we in the position to even be dead to get to that point? And so the second thing after holiness that I want to talk to you is, is the place of wholeness because I can tell you that we find ourselves to get um, in a broken place because of an, uh, a broken reed principle where somewhere in our lives, and so you will see some men and women be children even though they are adults. Because somewhere down the line there was a broken reed that was broken so much that they never got to a place where they could grow to become mature in the Lord. And you first need to step back and get into that position where you can talk about the pain and the hurt, the, the brokenness, before you can get to the place of adulthood. I'm as guilty as you are. I'm not judging you this morning, and I'm telling you, for each one of us, it boils to the same thing. That we need to get back to the place of wholeness within the Lord, where we can accept Him as Abba Father. The one who has the best interest at heart for us, and wants us to live. Now, this causes us to fall into a pendulum, um, a pendulum which goes from one side to the other. The one being totally arrogant, because you're so in control of your life. That nobody and nothing can um, hinder you to fulfill that which you want to uh, do in life. And you see many such people, they will never repent, they will never, you know, uh, 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 live in humility because they are just so organized and everything is just getting to fall into place for them. Arrogance. And then you see the other side of the pendulum of self-pity. I don't amount to nothing in this life. I feel like always being a failure. I feel like, you know, never being gifted enough that God can use me as a tool. And we fall in this pendulum from side to side so often because of one thing, and I can tell you, the basis of this pendulum still stays the same. Self. Because as long as you want to be in control of your life, you always have to fall to either side of the pendulum. Because your confidence lies within your own ability. And then we get to a place where we can find contentment in the Lord. Admitting like Paul, God, in my weakness, you become my strength. God, in the place where I know that there's no ways that I'm going to get out of this, I must admit that it's only by your grace that I live from day to day. It's only by your grace that I can stand up in the morning and be counted for this day. It's only by your grace that I can actually impart anything into anyone around me. It's not because I'm so gifted. And so you see many people that are focusing so much on their giftedness and their amazing abilities and their skillfulness and you'll be like Peter getting to the water and Jesus is busy brining what do we call it here? Making a fire, you know, barbecuing. (laughs) Okay. On the beach... And his disciples, Peter, says to the disciples, Listen, Jesus is gone. The cause is over. There's nothing to live for anymore. Let's go back. Okay, are you still awake? Fishing. Why? Because Peter knows how to fish the best of anything that he can do in life. Because Peter was the one who could sit on the seashore, Luke chapter 10. He would at, sit at the seashore and Jesus would meet him and Jesus would say, listen Peter, can we just talk about the fact that you didn't catch any fish? Can I beat you at your own game? I know that you've got loads of experience and you get, Peter, you are this amazing fisherman and Actually, Peter, you're so great that every fisherman in this area knows about you because you're just you're just such a good good businessman as well. But Peter, can we have a conversation here? Because Peter, it's not about what I what you've been called, uh, what what you think you've been called. It's about what I think you've been called to do. And then Jesus would do the barbecue thing. Um, do you love me more than these? And Jesus would say to him, listen, can we have a conversation, Peter, about the fact that I've called you to be a fisher of men. But you always fall back to what you know you can do best in life. I can tell you, sitting here this morning, and I'm sitting here, and I know that even coming to you guys, I know there's certain giftings that will always work in my life. There's certain things that I just, in the natural, physical, always work out for me because I'm gifted in doing it. But I know it's the exact things that brings me to a downfall. Because I always depend upon myself when I flow in those things. But as soon as I can get to the humility in recognizing God, <laughs> there's no ways that I will be... Uh, fulfilling this life's calling if it's not by your grace and by your guidance I am out to nothing and so the Bible says without being connected to the vine thank you Charlotte for that word without being connected to the vine we are nothing I'm going to quickly just read it so that you can um that you can uh, follow it with me, please. It's on the on the slides there. The selfishness and control manifest through a pendulum. Self-pity through fear and rejection, focusing on our own ability, shame and guilt. This is now the one side of the pendulum. Eh? Self-pity leads to passivity because of being rejected. Always defending and justifying. And... Self-pity will even lead to suicide. I'm not good enough, so I want to take my own life. Rebellion leads to, and that's the other side of the, the pendulum, leads to rejecting those who reject you. Rebellion or arrogance that focus on own ability is pride. Rebellion against authority opens a door to devil, to mislead us. And that even leads to homicide. wants to get rid of the people that brings hurt in your life. Is that not so? You're a mafia member. (laughs) You're so in control that you can uh, get rid of anyone that comes in the way of your agenda. This is the extreme, but I can tell you some of us, even myself from time to time, wanted to get rid of a few people. (laughs) Ring their necks. (laughs) Okay? Please don't tell that to the police. Um, In my thoughts, okay? (laughs) Am I the only one with mistakes here this morning? Guys, let's be true to where we are at. Society is at a place of desperation. We are at a place of revolution. Revolution a place where society again must recognize that if people are left to their own devices, they will destroy themselves. If society gets to focus on itself and its own devices, it will always lead to self-destruction. And just, just before we destruct ourselves, we come to a place of humility again and recognize that we need to make a few changes because clearly we're not as great and as amazing as we thought we are. And so we would um, project we would um, always project the, the same issues that we have in our own lives, upon other people. And I can tell you that um, the things that normally um, expose or magnify these um, pendulums in our lives the most is money and relationships. Because if you have enough money, You can make choices in life by paying people and even buying stuff to satisfy yourself. If you have enough money, you can feel as if you are in control of all your desires. Is it not so? Is it not nice to have a lot of money and to think that I can buy whatever I want this afternoon and I can dictate life's choices? money, and relationships. If I can control people enough, I can manipulate them to fulfill my agenda. And so you would see in many, many workplaces, people being in the workplace, manipulating people around them and controlling them to such an extent that they are the boss. I can make choices in My workplace, because I can use and abuse people just the way that I am, because I can. (laughs) And so, projecting happens when you and I, actually, the same issues that we have in our own lives, projected on other people. Now, I've spoken to Rob, um, to um, Um Johnny Bell. There, he's an elder in our region there in South Africa, and he said to me one day, his kids would uh, make him and his wife sit down, and um, they sat around the table, and so the kid said, Dad, Mom, we want to talk about the things that frustrate us the most about you. Because we need to talk about it, because we don't want to come home anymore. (coughs) So they sat around the table, and he said it was strange to hear the things that they were complaining about him was the same things that he was always accusing his wife of. And the things that he always accused, that his wife was always accusing him for, was the things that the kids actually complained about her. Is it not so, especially in our relationship and our marriages, that we often try to fix things in the people around us that is actually a mistake in our own lives? And the other thing that happens is that we use excuses and um, even blame shifting to always have a reason why things are not working out and why we are doing certain things and making certain mistakes in our lives. It's always somebody else's fault. Never my fault. And so we all get to a place where we are confronted by the fact that God says, take responsibility of your life. You know, is it not so that when you spend time with the Holy Spirit that He often would remind you of your own mistakes first if you pray about other people's mistakes? And so, Psalm 51 16 says, Create in me a clean heart of God and renew a right spirit within me. A place of humility where you and I can receive and be changed and transformed. And I want to say to you, you and I do not we, get not, we don't get changed by information. We don't get changed by rev, uh, revelation. In church, many times we say to one another, Ooh, Do you know the pastor was amazing today? Was it not great revelation? It was not just information, it was this wow, you know, things that he spoke about then we would go home and nothing changed. It's not information. It's not a place of revelation, but it's a place of a choice where you and I need to open the keys of our hearts to say, God, I want to change. I actually want to make a conscious decision to get this thing sorted in my life. And when you and I get to that place we start to allow God to do some surgery, some things that can change our lives forever. Listen to this. Humility is a willingness to be known for who you are. Humility allows one to take an honest look at your shortfall against the truth of God. Through the cursing of our identity, Satan hopes to distort or replace entirely your image of who God has called you to be drive you out of your place of habitation, the place of protection which is yours, your family, marriage, church, employment, home, city, country, and steal your inheritance, that which God has meant to be an inheritance or a heritage to you, your children, your finances, ministry relationships. So God created a safe place for you and I in this life where we can feel safe, where He can allow us to grow to such an extent where we can be blessed. The first thing is these principles. The fact that God allows us to actually, when living things according to the the Word of God, we will be able to see certain fruit in our lives. Isaiah 4, verse 6, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And the second thing, they're one of, of certain um, instructors in our lives who can protect and nurture us in the ways of the Lord, in love. Malachi 4.6 And he will, turn, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. The fact that God has placed us in families, first of all, And so families are so distorted in these days and the societies that we are living in. And I cannot but see it as an attack from the enemy to make people vulnerable and destroy the very essence of the safety that God has created them to be in. Then after family life, the fact that in a spiritual family you would find safety, not manipulation, control and condemnation, but the fact that we walk with one another in a family together in the kind of love and even the kind of um, chastising which is needed for our growth. The fact that we allow ourselves to get to a place of safety. And then the last thing that I'm talking about this morning is the one of the reason why we are not restored to God is the one of the wilderness. We, some of us go through wilderness experiences and I'm not talking about suffering freaks this morning. I get many Christians that become suffering freaks and they think that because they are suffering, they are growing in the Lord. So you'd always hear how they moan and complain about how things are so bad in their lives and they are going through such hardship in their lives and when you listen to the story, you think, okay, there's a mistake here because it even becomes a boasting in your life. You are so going through difficulty. The reason why I'm saying that to you this morning, it's not suffering that makes us grow. It's the choice to change. Suffering only exposes our character. And so why are we going through a lot of difficulty from time to time? It's so that we can portray the glory of God. You and I, in being tested, are again at square one. Where we need to be honest about how are we doing in our walk with God being a revelation in our life. Because I'm telling you, in the midst of your circumstances and your difficulties, you're not going to go. You're going to be exposed, and it brings you to a place of vulnerability and you make certain choices in this life. Because I'm telling you, if you go to war and there's a, a tank on the other side and you only have a kitty or a, what do you call it, yeah, maybe a pistol is a better. You don't know, Kitty. Yeah, what's a kitty? A what is slingshot. a what? A slingshot. a slingshot. Okay. Okay. It's good to know. It's a safe, safe thing. We're talking about war, luckily. Okay. So relax. I'm just afraid some of you might fall on the floor. Yeah. Um, when you are in the midst of a war and you don't have the kind of tool that's necessary to take out that um, tank, guess what you are going to do? You're going to get to the trenches, where you're going to lie down until the war is over. You are not going to run around like a madman, because you're going to get killed. And so many Christians make very big decisions in the midst of the storms in their lives and the great difficulty... And they get shot after all and get through a lot of brokenness. And, and yet God is only expecting us to go and lie in the trenches and wait until the war is over. And then after the war we can have the conversation. God, so I've been exposed. <laughs> I've clearly been exposed in certain areas of my life. Can we talk about what I need to have the next time when the tank comes? <laughs> Give me a bazooka. Because that will help to sort out the problem. (laughs) But you know what? Some of us are running around the mountain all the time. All the time. All the time. All the time. And it becomes a stronghold in our lives. And if you stay long enough in the desert, I can promise you it's going to kill you. Because your wilderness at the end is going to bring you to a place of devastation. I remember years ago reading a book of what is this prophetic guy? Um, Rick Joyner. Rick Rick Joyner with the eagle eagle thing. eh? Um, Years ago I've read one of his books and he said when they got to the heavenly places they saw these eagles. The most amazing eagles. And on the wings of these eagles there were scars. But the scars was not scars that, um, that looked like you know the eagle is devastated or anything. It was actually like authority on the wings of those eagles. And everyone passing could see that they overcame it. And because of the scars upon their wings, it could be magnified that they were soaring like eagles above all the circumstances of this world. It was such a beautiful picture to me because we make some choices in life to either keep going around the mountain, keep going around the mountain, because you will be tested again and again. Go and read Romans 5. Go and read James 1. You'll be tested again and again in the same area. And so I see certain churchgoers going from and hopping from one church to the other, and then you would see... And you would ask, why did you leave the previous one? And you would see a certain pattern in their lives of the same issue being revealed again and again. But you know what? God wants you to come to a standstill. And I know this is is hard this morning. To say, stop the vicious circle. It's going to break you. Because I have victory in my hand, Allow me to come and heal you. Allow me to bring you to a place where you can actually soar like the evil. And so you and I find ourselves in the midst of a wilderness experience in such a place. We make some of the choices to, to overcome. And I can tell you, even if I read in the Word of God, over and over you see... God's expectation for us, that adults, in the spiritual sense of it, fathers in a spiritual sense of it, is those who endure till the end, till Jesus comes back. Those who can see victory upon victory, stand through and go through most difficult circumstances, so that God can bring them to wholeness. And so. We will stand before the master one day. And he will say, Matthew 25, 21. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Can you quickly stand? You know what? I I want to say to you this morning, I'm not serving the Lord because of His principles. I'm serving Him because of His awesomeness. And I know His principles work. I know that the King of all kings, if you've seen Him, if you've seen His glory, He can transform you. And that's why you would get so many dead churches all over the world that are so focused on principles and they don't experience the fullness. I've got a respect for, for, for um, the traditional sense of Christianity, at least for the fact that they are living according to principles that works. I love a society that actually... You know, have certain principles in place that can bring them to experience the blessing of the fruit of living by those principles. But I can also tell you, I want more. I want to come like the rich young ruler to the king of all kings and I want to say to you, can we have this conversation? I love you. I need you so desperately in my life. You know what? I, uh, I remember my wife uh, at um, at varsity. Uh, she uh, she studied at Wellington, um, there where Eduard comes from. You did come from Wellington eh? in South Africa. It's a place about forty minutes, thirty minutes drive from Stellenbosch, achterperopat, eh? <laughs> There's some people from Almost Sorry I'm giving you a South African context, but as long as you know, it's about a 30-40 minutes drive. And then um we would have you know functions at the church um until ten o'clock and I would then take my little Nissan Bucky, fourteen hundred bucky, I would drive through small bucky, okay, what's it yeah, a pickup truck or what do you call it? sorry pickup truck ok thanks guys for helping me and I would um, drive all the way to Wellington and when I get there she would have to be in at 11 o'clock and we only have about a quarter of an hour to spend some time together but it was well worth it every time I would do this I would go drive all the way go to her spend some time with her and go back It's Stellenbosch. I didn't worship the road. The scenery is beautiful for those of you that have seen it. But I didn't worship the road or I didn't even get excited about the signage on the way there. I don't know if you guys do that when you drive. I was excited all along as I drove there because of the thoughts that I have about this woman in my life. This love of my life, because when receiving on the, uh, uh, when when getting to the other side, I would, you know, be so blessed to spend some time with her. Sometimes we get so excited about this journey of Christianity and its principles and its signs and direction, and we forget that it's all about. of our lives. Father, this morning we come before you. And we ask you, Father God, for just an amazing revelation of who you are. Father, we want more of you in our lives. We have this passion, Father God, to serve you. Oh God, and we get so excited about Father God following your hand and we forget to actually follow your heart as well we get so excited about the amazing stuff that you're doing all over the world Father God in your church and your body and we forget that you actually want to reveal your heart to us and I know this morning Father God there's some of us that actually are on either side of the pendulum and I pray that you will come and lead us to your loving waters. In Jesus' name. And so this morning, I want you to be very brave. And as we stay in a, in a place of worship, in a place of prayer, just keep your eyes closed. You might be at a place of self-pity, a place where you just never feel good enough, and this morning God wants to bring you to a place of contentment. God wants to lead you to a place where you can again focus your eyes on Him. Maybe you stand here this morning and you feel that your life is always in the state where you just never made it. As if society don't even accept you. And God comes to you this morning He puts his finger on that pain and he says to you my child I love you enough that I want to see this brokenness to be restored some of you are here this morning and you think by being in so much control of life that you are in control of your circumstances and you are in need of nothing you feel that you are so gifted that you will make it. I want all Christians to pray now. Oh, God. You're at that place where you know that God is speaking to you right now. You are truly the captain of your ship. even sometimes difficult to repent it's difficult to see any weakness because it will make yourself vulnerable in this morning the king of all kings wants to draw you through his heart as you stand in this place this morning I want you to raise your hand on either side of the kingdom because God wants to bring you to a place of contentment there's no condemnation here. place of safety God wants to be able to stand. Don't be